Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, coming to you today from sunny Los Angeles, California. Well, kind of. It's, it's almost 10 o'clock at night, but it, it was sunny and is going to be sunny again tomorrow. And also, technically, I'm in La Mirada, California, which is like Los Angeles-ish, but like people from L.A. will tell you that I'm not in L.A. But other than that, this is Rossafari Zoo News coming to you from sunny Los Angeles, California-ish. So, as I'm sure I've mentioned on here already, I am currently doing Million Dollar Quartet, the show that just keeps on giving me a career, uh, at La Mirada Performing Arts Center in La Mirada, California. Or Los Angeles, you know, whatever. And um, we are having an awesome time out here so far. It's going super well, and uh, we get our, our first audience uh, the day after I'm recording this, actually, um, the day before this podcast comes out live. So, uh, you know, pretty excited to be out here and doing the thing. And I've got to tell y'all, it is a good time, not just, you know, for me and being out here, but uh, for the podcast, okay? So first of all, as you're going to hear again on Tuesday, um, I drove out here. I, I drove cross country and I planned that trip so that every single day I stopped at a zoo or a zoo and an aquarium. And y'all, I was able to schedule myself some interviews. There is a ton of new content coming to the pod from that road trip. And then on top of that, California, man, it's just been, it's, it's, it's starting to remind me of when I was down in Florida. You know how we got a lot of content out of Florida and it was amazing. Um, I have all ready spoken to so many cool people out here and we're planning interviews and getting some dates locked in and um you know you know how these things go until it happens it hasn't happened but let's just say that i firmly believe that the podcast is going to have a heck of a run out here on the west coast um we've got some surprises coming y'all and it's going to be really cool and that is the news from like my world, you know. Also, if anyone in the greater Los Angeles area or or kind of there and willing to travel wants to come and see the show, let me know. We can probably get you in, get you some tickets and uh have you come see the show, come see the uh the other thing that I do when I'm not talking into a microphone alone in a hotel room, hoping that I'm not disturbing the people in the room next to me. Should I whisper the whole rest of this pot? Okay, no, 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 that's fine. This is fine. Okay, we're fine, we're fine. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but um, I spend a lot of time in hotels, and I gotta tell you, hearing a podcast is not nearly as gnarly as some of the other sounds that I have heard coming from hotel rooms next to mine. 
Like, oh, no, gosh, get your mind out of the gutter. I was just going to tell you about the fact that um, somebody on my tour uh, was singing opera in the room next to me the other night. And uh, it was it was pretty entertaining. I can't I cannot believe your mind went there. Good Lord, listener. What is happening here? I'm sorry. I'm such a dork. Okay. Okay. Enough of all of this. We've got lots of news to get to. This is Rasafari Zoo News. Um, If this is your first time here, wow, you must think I'm nuts already because this is a goofy intro. But on top of that, it is a crowdsourced news podcast about what's going on in the world of conservation and aquariums and zoos and animals and all that good stuff. So if you'd like to contribute, you can tag me at Rasafari on all of the social media things uh, in a story or send it to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com, or like, you know, whatever, get it to me however you want. I'm very reachable, and then you'll get to hear your name at the end of the podcast, which, if you don't believe me, hold on till the end of the podcast, and you'll hear some names, and you'll be like, he really meant it. See, that's how this works. Uh, So let's listen to an ad, and then we'll listen to the news. Here's the ad part. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamers Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamers Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right, so without further ado, it is time for... Well, it's one for the pennies, two for the bears, three for the markers. Now you should care, now won't you listen to Zoo News? Oh, you could do anything, but why not listen to Zoo News? Well, it's a Zoo, 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 Zoo News. We're going to start off with a fun one this week. Five African gray parrots were adopted by the Lincolnshire Wildlife Park in the UK back in August, and they were placed in quarantine together where everything seemed to be going really well. So after quarantine, the uh, birds were moved into main outdoor aviaries at the zoo where they started causing some drama. Now, I'm not talking about the normal aggression that you can get with citizens. Nope, nope, nope. I am talking about five parrots that swear at each other and, when around humans, at them as well. The parrots apparently had been trained to laugh when one of them swore. The laughter would encourage the other birds to swear, and it would just go on in a vicious cycle. So then, when the parrots were put out into an aviary, they started to swear at the guests. And a lot of the guests would laugh because they couldn't believe that parrots were swearing at them, which reinforced the behavior and thus made the parrots swear even more. 
Because of complaints from people who have a much worse sense of humor than I do, the Lincolnshire Wildlife Park has pulled the parrots off of you and they are now living behind the scenes and out of earshot of visitors. I get it. I do. But also, I think that they need to instantly set up an adults-only paid experience where you can go and see the swearing parrots because, I mean... Come on, what adult at a zoo isn't going to want to go get sweared at, swore at, sworn at, sword, sword? I don't know. Why am I saying sword? By a parrot. By the way, as of press time, uh, I need to share this with you. The parrots were not only pulled off exhibit, but were separated and are all living with different groups of birds away from each other now in the hope that they will swear less without being encouraged to by the other birds in the group. But the trainers do admit that um, it could just mean that each parrot individually teaches the other birds that they're living with to swear now, and thus there could suddenly be, you know, 10, 15, 20, 100 birds swearing behind the scenes at the wildlife park. Gotta love those citizens. A zoo in India is helping out with red panda conservation in a really exciting and cool way. In fact, the Padmaja Naidu Himalayan Zoological Park in India has released two pairs of red pandas back into the wild, something that is called restocking over there. I've never heard it phrased that before, but I really I like that idea. They're just, you know, restocking the wild. It's cool throwing some pandas out on some shelves or whatever um there are some really adorable pics if you want to look them up just find the zoo's facebook page and um it's pretty awesome the pandas named smile shifu noel and yishi were restocked in a national park on january 15th of this year really really cool exciting stuff having those animals get back into the wild in india um Man, isn't that isn't that the dream? Isn't that why we're all doing what we're we're doing in the world of conservation? Amazing work by this incredible zoological park. And speaking of red pandas, I know you're all shocked, right? Um, the uh, Knoxville Zoo, our friends there, got some press recently for being the, quote, red panda capital of the world. They got a really nice write-up in the local news in Knoxville uh, talking about the fact that more red pandas have been born at Zoo Knoxville than any other zoo in the world with 112 births. Um it's just it's just cool to see, uh, you know, Sarah Glass and her team getting some press for the amazing work that they do domestically for red pandas in terms of conservation and in terms of, you know, sustainable populations for zoos. So awesome work to Sarah and the team. And uh, if you haven't checked out Sarah's episode yet, go back. It's in season one and it's awesome. And, you know, speaking of awesome, earlier this week, the Toronto Zoo celebrated the 50th birthday of a gorilla named Charles. Charles has been part of the troupe at the Toronto Zoo since the zoo's opening in 1974. In honor of this momentous occasion, the Toronto Zoo Wildlife Conservancy has committed a donation of $250,000 to support gorilla conservation efforts in the wild. That's amazing. 
And just in case you were wondering, um, you know, Western lowland gorillas, eh, they live like 30 to 40 years normally. So 50 is a big deal. Congrats to everyone at Toronto, both for keeping Charles healthy and alive and doing well and thriving, and also for uh, that amazing donation that the Wildlife Conservancy is doing in his honor. Incredible work in the zoo and in the wild. It's, it's everything I love about this stuff. And speaking of the Toronto Zoo, they are going to be hosting the 2022 AAZK conference. And to raise money to do so, are having a auction online that runs through January 23rd at 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can find a link on any of their social media pages because the actual URL is ridiculous, but uh, the auction has everything from really cool, funky artwork to really cool experiences like breakfast with the gorillas or breakfast with the polar bears. I assume that this will be protected contact, but, you know, maybe not. No, I'm kidding. It totally will be. Of course, the Toronto Zoo is going to do everything right. Um, but you can get a zoo tour by the ceo there are coasters there are footprint paintings and different other paintings from animals including gorillas and cheetahs and adira the adorable red panda and a komodo dragon and lemurs and orangutans and all kinds of cool stuff there is so much amazing stuff here and adopt an animal package it's ah, i could go on forever or you can just go find the toronto zoo on their social media pages and look at the auction a lot of the things have zero to one bid on them right now so like go support a good cause and also get yourself something really really cool for not that much money because people aren't bidding on it just saying a quick congratulations is in order for Megan Ross, who has become the new CEO of Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago. It is the first time that the role has gone to a woman or to a scientist. Dr. Ross has worked at Lincoln Park Zoo for over 20 years and has been doing a lot of stuff to bring science into the zoo field, including creating Zoo Monitor, a mobile app for collecting data on animal behavior that she developed in 2016. Her goal is to use scientific data, the scientific process, and basically all kinds of cool sciencey things to make life even better for the animals and the visitors at Lincoln Park Zoo. And I, for one, cannot wait to see all the amazing changes that she will have in store for this storied institution. On a sadder note, the Cincinnati Zoo said goodbye to Chester the Andean Bear earlier this week. Chester, who was described as inquisitive, clever, and having a whole lot of personality and really enjoyed interacting with his keepers, uh, will be sadly missed. He was a geriatric bear, and the decision was made to humanely euthanize him after his uh, age-related issues could no longer be managed medically. Chester was not just loved by staff, but was also a fan favorite, and a lot of members of the Cincinnati Zoo were pouring out their memories and their sorrow on the Cincinnati Zoo member Facebook page. I have to admit, sometimes I get really frustrated looking at those types of pages, especially ones where people maybe feel a little more ownership of a facility or animals than I think maybe they should, um, says the guy who, you know, acts like certain animals at zoos are literally my best friend. And 
when I say acts like, I mean, truly believe that. But uh, anyway, um, but it, it also is really nice to see in a moment like this just how many lives this adorable bear who always slept with his one foot up his wall for some reason uh, impacted. It, it was really cool. Chester will be missed. But on a side note, also related to the Cincinnati Zoo, uh, you're going to hear a lot more about, um, you know, kind of the idea of emotional ownership of animals, both from a fan perspective and a keeper perspective, on an upcoming episode. So uh, keep your ears open, folks, because it gets real interesting uh, in my next episode that I happen to record at the Cincinnati Zoo. Small world. All right, that brings us to... Conservation! Conservation! News time! Oh, yeah! And we're going to start this section with uh, giving some props to Vietnam. There has been a huge effort lately to try to crack down on wildlife crime in Vietnam. And they have a true no-tolerance policy there, and it seems to be working. Uh, just a few weeks ago, there was a huge bust done of a supplier that was found with 122 turtles for the illegal pet trade. Not cool. And uh, earlier this month, another subject was captured trying to sell a bottle of King of Cobra wine and five bear claws. After getting busted, the police searched his house and found all kinds of stuff, including a live king cobra, Burmese python, a leopard cat, uh, five elongated tortoises, and 20 Asian box turtles. Also, a monocled cobra in a wine jar and three freezers full of frozen wildlife, parts, and meat. The subject was obviously arrested and is now facing huge penalties. Uh, Vietnam's crackdown is exactly what is needed to stop the illegal wildlife trade. A new warty frog was discovered in Madagascar. Uh, shocking that there are weird new cool species in Madagascar, right? Shocking. The frog species is called Jeferomantis maracoroco for its distinctive skin, because the uh, species name there means rugged in Malagasy. It is an incredibly secretive frog. It is nocturnal. It has an incredibly quiet call, which growing up around some of the bullfrogs and such that I grew up around uh, seems kind of crazy to me. Um, but in fact, the call's so quiet that it can barely be heard even just a few meters away, at least by human ears. And it only seems to come out of hiding after really heavy rains. The odds are that it is an incredibly endangered species, although there's been no way to do a population study of a newly discovered species yet. So, uh, you know, more on that as it comes. But most likely, it's an endangered frog that needs to be taken care of, especially because it has only been found in four patches of forest so far, a few of which are already threatened by slash-and-burn agriculture. So maybe we should stop doing that and save these frogs. And while we are on the subject of newly discovered species, a newly discovered tarantula lives inside bamboo. Wow, I'm glad I got over my fear of spiders before I found this out since I spend a lot of time handing bamboo to red pandas. <laughs> 
The behavior is truly fascinating. This is the only time that uh, tarantulas have ever been discovered nesting inside of bamboo stalks. And uh, these just happen to live in Thailand. These new tarantulas feature black and dark gray bodies and golden yellow bands on their legs, which are really striking. As with our last story, it's too new of a species to know if it's endangered or not. However, considering it was only recently discovered and nothing else like it has ever been discovered, odds are that it doesn't have a huge population, though more study will be needed to determine that fact. Perhaps the coolest thing about this species is that these tarantulas do this thing where um, they only use bamboo that has different holes in the stalk, and then they cover those holes with silk so that A, they can't be seen from the outside, and B, should a threat approach them, they can retreat out one of the other holes through their webbing. That's that's amazing. And it's also really cool because um, tarantulas can't make the holes themselves, so they're using the holes that were created by other things that are, you know, gnawing on the bamboo. What a fascinating new species. On a sadder note, y'all know that we've been talking for a while on this podcast now about how important it is to relist wolves as endangered because hunters are out there killing them every chance they get and people are just kind of afraid of wolves. I don't really understand it, but they are. And sure enough, uh, 20 wolves that lived in Yellowstone but wandered just slightly outside of the park boundaries were all hunted down. One entire pack known as the Phantom Lake Pack is now considered eliminated after most or all of its members were killed over a two-month span beginning in October. If that breaks your heart as much as it does mine, go to relistwolves.org to find ways to take action to save this incredible and incredibly misunderstood species. This is truly breaking my heart, y'all. I could have totally listed this next one in zoo news, but um, I, I put it in conservation news because it's both. And uh, frankly, I put it in the wrong section, and don't feel like cutting and pasting. So anyway, for the first time ever, five vultures from the Detroit Zoo have moved to Africa as part of a conservation program to restore South Africa's vulture populations. The five captive-born vultures, one of which is a lappet-faced vulture named Cassie, and four of which are hooded vultures named Nellie, Fiona, Zeke, and, I kid you not, Mrs. Nasty, will live at Volpro, a nonprofit conservation organization based in South Africa. They're going to live with other vultures there and breed, and the offspring of that breeding will be released into the wild. What an amazing little program between the Detroit Zoo and Volpro. I love this so much. You know, scavengers get a bad rap, y'all, but, like, vultures are really cool, and if you've ever been close to one or hung out with one, then you know that. Um, like, you know, I get it, they, they eat carrion, but, I mean, so do we. We just cook it first, right? Like, unless you're a vegetarian, and, hell, even then, it's dead vegetables, so, you know, it's what we all do. So, uh, I think it's, it's pretty exciting to see this. Um, great work by just all teams involved. It's time for other news. 
it's time for other news. Hey, now, right now, right now, it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the podcast. And we start other news this week by saying goodbye to Magawa, the landmine-sniffing hero rat who has passed away at the age of eight. In a five-year career, Magawa sniffed out over 100 landmines and other explosives in Cambodia. He was the most successful rat trained by the Belgian charity Apopo to alert human handlers about the mines so they could be safely removed. The rat passed away peacefully last weekend. So how long does a rat have to train to become a landmine-sniffing rat? Well, the process took an entire year, but was incredibly important as it is believed that there are as many as 6 million landmines still just active in Cambodia. In 2020, Magawa was awarded the PDSA Gold Medal, sometimes described as the George Cross for animals, for his life-saving devotion to duty. He was the first rat to be given the medal in the charity's 77-year history. And while Magawa is now gone, it is nice to know that Apopo has been raising other animals, known as hero rats, to detect landmines and expect to continue to have incredible success with this mission. The more we understand how animals and diseases interconnect, the more we find weird stuff about it all. For instance, an antibiotic-resistant superbug, a type of MRSA, evolved naturally as a result of a battle between a fungus and bacteria on the skin of wild hedgehogs. The hedgehog-derived bacteria developed in nature long before the antibiotics we are familiar with were discovered, and um, it basically turns out that a skin fungus common in hedgehogs naturally produces antibiotics. Bacteria on the animal's skin then developed antibiotic resistance in response. And it's important to understand this in part because a lot of scientists believe that... Um, it's the use of antibiotics that create antibiotic-resistant superbugs. However, in this case, it happened naturally and without having to do with humans at all. Imagine that, something that has nothing to do with humans, and yet we assume it always does, weirdly. Now, I want to be clear here. The researchers said that this is a rare occurrence and that, in fact, it seems like most antibiotic-resistant diseases do come from overuse of antibiotics. Still, it's fascinating to learn that something like this can happen in nature, especially on an animal as cute as a hedgehog. On a side note, y'all, I'm having a hard time saying antibiotic tonight, and I had to say it a lot in this story, and, um, whoo, you boys getting tired. Two emus recently escaped from a farm in Pennsylvania and got to explore for quite a while before they were captured again. Kind of reminds me of the zebra story from a couple weeks back. It seems like sometimes certain animals are probably not the best things to keep on like farms and in private ownership. And it also seems like when these animals do escape, authorities don't really know what to do about it. They can find them pretty easily, but you know, capturing them becomes a, a journey. 
my guess is that Pennsylvania will get better at capturing escaped emus, as this is not the first time this has happened in the state. So, uh, yeah, that's my home for you. I, I gotta move, y'all. And last but not least in other news, a new study finds that four-month-old ravens are as intelligent as adult apes. The tests done on the ravens measured a bunch of different things, including spatial awareness and the ability to understand object permanence. They also involved some social components, including communication and learning behaviors. It turns out that by four months old, the fledgling ravens were already cognitively comparable to adult primates, especially with respect to problem-solving abilities. Ravens understood quantities, grasped causation, and showed social learning on par with the formerly studied apes. This demonstrates social and physical intelligence and general rather than domain-specific intelligence. I mean, we've known for a while that corvids are incredibly intelligent animals, but this is special. More intelligent than adult apes? That's astonishing. I, I love this so much. And also, as a Baltimore Ravens fan, I have to point out that that's not something that you'll ever hear about uh, Steelers or Browns, whatever those might be. And also, I just want you all to picture that. So I, I keep all of these little stories that I'm going to do in like a list, right, in a notes app. And uh, I, I type them out a little bit. Obviously, I'm, I'm improvising as I speak, but um, I, I type up the headline so I remember what I'm talking about. And in this case, I just put young ravens are smart AF. And that just made me really happy. All right. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Not gonna lie, y'all. We don't have many animal holidays this week. We've got nothing for the week. We've got nothing for the month. But uh, January 21st is Squirrel Appreciation Day. And uh, if y'all haven't seen my reels on Instagram yet, um, there are some pretty funny ones, including an adorable squirrel that was following me around at a zoo recently. So you should probably check that out. And then on the 28th, it's World Jeffrey's Cat Day. Um, so if your name is Jeffrey and you own a cat, no, no, wait. Jeffrey's cat is a species of cat. Right, right, right. Anyway, so that's the 28th, and that's all we've got for your animal holidays for the week. Yay, Zoo News. That's another episode in the books. I want to say thank you to Laura Shank, my Red Panda level patron, and also to the following people who contributed stories this week. Dylan Hoy, Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Megan Barrett, Marianne Rossi, Liz Dunlevy, and Isi Adiola. Thank you all so much for sending me the amazing stories that are in this episode. I appreciate y'all. And don't forget, if you're listening, you can hear your name right back there by sending me stuff at Rossafari on the socials or rossafaripod at gmail.com. Also, don't forget, I'm playing Million Dollar Quartet in La Mirada, California. So if you happen to be in the general area, let me know. Come see some rock and roll. 
we'll talk animals afterwards. I, I can bounce from one to the other. Um, yeah, and I'd, I'd love to see see some animal people come see me rocking out. Don't worry, y'all. They're synthetic drum heads. No calf skins here. And with that said, here is your friendly reminder that Newsy Credits Backwards is Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.